You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to the Worshipology podcast. This is a podcast for worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus Christ. And uh, today, I'm so excited about this conversation. Uh, My friend Will Heron is on the other line, and you're going to hear right away probably the coolest accent we've had on the uh, podcast so far this year. Say what's up, Will. (laughs) Hey, what's happening, everyone? Well, Curtis, I have to remind you, I've been in the States almost 20 years, so I think some of my accent... Okay, so it's wearing off a little bit? I think I'm losing (laughs) some of it, yeah. Well, you still have it, and you can tell the the Irish, uh, to me, like if I could have any accent, I do think it would be... Uh, from Ireland, and I've still never visited, but that's a, a bucket list item of mine, man. But right, um, but it's it's so funny, Curtis. Like when I when I teach here at the church, you know, uh, we have two services here, so sometimes in between services, I'll get a few texts uh-huh. from my family saying, "Oh, you know, great job." But pretty much, they always tell me that my, you know, you're losing your accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do about that? Like, is there anything you well, can do only, to keep yeah, your the, accent? The only thing I can do is actually go back. Uh, it seems like when you're around people from Northern Ireland again for like five minutes, then you just uh-huh. start to get your accent, you know, back again, really good. So, <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'll I'll just have to do that. That's awesome. Well, I met Will back in my days in Washington, D.C. He was a worship pastor there at a church called Holy Trinity. Before that, uh, he was a part of a group called Ren Collective and a great songwriter, a great worship leader. And now you find yourself out in Iowa. Man, just for those who are listening, give us a little snapshot of just a little bit of your story, man. How were you called into ministry? Uh, what's it look like from there to now? Uh, what's what's that like Instagram version of the Will Heron story? <laughs> yes, yes. So as you said, we are in Iowa in the present day. We're at a church here, Prairie Ridge Church. Uh, my wife's originally from Iowa, and so is in, in some senses a, a sense of coming back home. Uh, mm. But for me, Curtis, as you said, really, uh, worship and music have been a large part of my story. Um, I actually grew up in a really musical family. My mom used to sing in different venues and clubs around London when she was younger. My dad spent the majority of his, his career playing in an orchestra. And so I grew up in that. Then I grew up, you know, going to church, being part of youth bands, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But to be honest, really, for me, things really started to change in my college uh, college years, I got started into a student gathering that was actually called RAND. That's kind of where RAND Collective came from. And oh, cool. I just had the opportunity to, one, just really grow my relationship with the Lord. I feel like he just really started working in me. and um, But then also having more opportunity to, to lead worship. But the thing is, with the relational change in, in my relationship with God, of going deeper with him and getting to know him better, I felt like, you know, worship started to change then um, for me Mm. and leading worship suddenly became more than like a musical exercise, you know, became a means to respond to the God who I was experiencing in a real way in in my life. And so, so yeah, that kind of happened. There was a few other things around that time are pretty influential for me in terms of worship. One of them was just the influence of Matt Redman. I'm sure, you know, your listeners know who that is, but... He had an album out at that time. I don't know if you remember this one, Curtis. It was called Face Down. It was kind of like a green, 
like a green yes. album. And, yes. Uh, yeah, there was a book and there was an album. And the yep. whole the whole album was really about worship being a response to God's revelation. And uh, he had wow. this one song, you know, worship starts with seeing you. Our hearts respond to your revelation. And so worship leading wow. for me then at that point really became a way to start to facilitate the worship of others, you know, just to create a space whereby people could respond to God in the light of all he is and, and all he's done. And so moving on from then... By then, I'd actually met uh, my now wife, Bridget. And once I'd finished Mm -hmm. college, I moved out to the States, did some volunteer work in terms of worship leading at my sister's church. Um, We got married, spent a couple of years here in Iowa, and then I got invited into into Rand Collective. And, you know, we'll probably dive into that uh, a bit later. Uh, Yeah, then seven years. So you didn't get invited into Rand Collective until you were here in the States? Well, those those relationships went back, um, you know, from when we were kind of in our teens. I knew Chris, college, yeah. the lead singer uh, from school, and then Gareth, who's kind of been the leader of the band since the very beginning. When I was about fifteen, he was the one who invited me into the uh, the youth band, and uh, it was funny. Like when he invited me in, I was like you know, fine, like I'll play my guitar, but I'm not going to sing. Like, <laughs> I just don't want to sing. And, yeah. uh, and so he was like, all right. And then of course, like the next year I was like leading the youth band or whatever. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, those relationships went way back. Then obviously during Rand, the student gathering uh, in my college years, uh, we started doing a little bit of writing here and there, but it was really only when um, I moved to the States that we really started working on some stuff. I would record stuff from a distance and, uh, oh, wow. then the band got signed and yeah, the, that kind of took off. So, yeah. So, and then, like you said, seven years then in, in Virginia, you know, as a worship pastor, um, with a, a little bit of what I call vocational evolving, uh, really towards okay. the end of All that. Right. Yeah. Into, into the discipleship area. And, and so, mm. yeah, that kind of brings us to, to the present day. Yeah, and it was in D.C. where we really connected. Uh, right. We were both a part of that thing called the D.C. Worship Initiative. That's right. That's right. And, and you were such a, a monumental part of that and just kind of helping connect with so many worship leaders in the DMV area. And, and just for those who are listening, like, I don't know where you find yourself in the country or, or around the world, but man, there's such a power in unity and reaching out to other worship leaders and worship teams from right. different churches, you know, instead of just kind of getting your eyes straight ahead, I, I'm thinking of like the Clydesdales with those blinders on, you're only seeing what's right in front of you. But when you right. take those blinders off, man, you're open to such great relationships. And Will, you were always one of those worship guys um, where if I just kind of needed somebody to to just kind of hang with and talk with whether it was over coffee um we got coffee so many times in the dc right, area right um but man just i mean talk about that from your perspective of you know obviously like you 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 kind of have uh so many different pockets where you've not only lived in but also did ministry in what's mm. your experience like um with unity and mm. just connecting with other churches and other other you know, songwriters and worship leaders. Yes. How has that kind of been monumental in your life? 
No, that's really that's really good. Uh, and I just even as you're mentioning, Curtis, uh, you know, those years together in Virginia, you just look back and think, man, those are those are really sweet times, actually, of yeah. just drawing together worship leaders. And, you know, sometimes it wasn't the biggest of gatherings, but you maybe had five or six mm-hmm. churches represented. And you just really thought, like, God's really pleased with us. You know, this is this feels wow. like kingdom kingdom work. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, Curtis, any time that we can form those kind of bonds uh, with other churches is is so key. And in doing so, then just bursting any ideas of competitiveness, you know, between churches. I, I think we have wow. a responsibility as, as church leaders to make sure that we are um, addressing that because it can happen, especially within smaller towns. You've got a number of churches. And so the, the thing that I felt like with uh, with us in the DC Worship Initiative was that worship was such an easy uh, bridge, I guess, to be able to yeah. reach out to other churches. I mean, I would just reach out to other worship leaders at churches and say, hey, do you just want to meet up for coffee? Because wow. you knew you're navigating a lot of similar stuff together. And so you could really be a support to one another uh, whilst mm. also promoting broader church unity within within the community that you're in. And so that's been really huge for me. And to be honest, Curtis, like the the fruit of that so often is like just amazing support. You know, you 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 just yeah. champ. You're yeah. a champion for one another, and it, it becomes less about like my church, my name, building a my ministry, and it right. becomes so much more kingdom minded. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think I. I think that anytime you can really, um, really try and do that within your your community, it's it's kingdom work for sure. Well, I think sometimes we get so just kind of caught in the minutia of like every day you've got certain tasks you have to get done every week. You know, obviously Sunday's coming, and yeah, and you can get so focused on the here and now that you kind of uh, miss that big picture kingdom vision. And I just remember there was times where. Uh, especially when I was feeling like the call to to step out and plant a church, like back in that 2017 era. Mm-hmm. And I remember you and I going to grab coffee in Annandale, Virginia. I can't even remember the name of the coffee house. Yeah, really small I can't spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just kind of just, you were just a, a calm voice of reason and support. And uh, you really affirmed that just calling that I was feeling from the Holy Spirit in that moment, man. And, and I just think the relationships that you can build with other like-minded uh, worship leaders um, that kind of have your back, but also can see outside of your camp is that's so really key, good. man. Yeah, that's and, so key. Um, I just love how you do that. And you've always, um, you've always been passionate about discipleship. I think that kind of falls into that, right? Because it's like sharpening one another, getting us closer to Jesus by relationship with each other. And dude, I want to talk about that for a minute. Like now, now you're a discipleship uh, pastor. Is that, is that the right um, terminology I'm using with your role in Iowa? Yeah. Discipleship director. Um, they, uh-huh. I guess these director terms here. Um, yeah. Really interesting, Curtis. I, I obviously I've never made this tr- transition before between, you know, being in worship and heading into discipleship. And of course there's crossover and maybe we'll talk a little Mm. bit about that and discipleship and worship. Uh, But there was a couple of things that I, that I wasn't expecting. And who knows, Curtis, maybe some of your listeners are in the same spot. Maybe they're considering this kind of move into that area. So there was a couple of things for me that I think that are worth mentioning. One was kind of the move uh, from a relatively like public ministry 
you know, mm -hmm. into something that was a little more behind the scenes. And uh, it was something that I, it just took a bit of getting used to. I think, you know, you're um, in terms of Sundays, you know, you're, you're leading uh, on and, and you can see people and they can see you. Know, you yeah. <laughs> and there's a bit of a sense in which you can gauge where they're they're at and what God's doing in the room that kind of thing but moving into uh, discipleship it became a little harder I think to gauge like okay where are we at I mean you can have stats you know how many oh, people wow. are getting yeah. into community groups and how many people are coming to our services how many people are you know listening to our podcast that kind of thing but really the outworking I think of discipleship the uh, becoming more Christ-like Really, let's be honest, the fruit of that is most clearly seen either way uh, in the ho your home life and in, yeah, in your yeah. private life. You know, we can all come mm. to church and we can be certain things. And, and so that was a big shift for me in terms of there was a little bit of, okay, Lord, like um, I just, I'm just going to try and be faithful to this. And I'm, I'm trusting you for fruit beyond statistics, you know, believing wow. that maybe some of these, the content that we're putting out, those kind of things. Um, God, you're using this uh, to uh, to an, an eternal uh, purpose. And then the other mm -hmm. thing um, I think for me was, I've, I've used this analogy a little bit with people in terms of discipleship. I feel like discipleship ministry feels a bit like tending to a forest. And, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is, you know, in a forest, you don't tend to see like a ton of growth overnight. You know, you don't go and just think, whoa, that tree wasn't there yesterday. And like, wow, it's just grown like, you know, crazy. Yeah. Generally yeah. it's more just gradual, it's gradual growth. And there's a kind of, um, a faithfulness of just tending to the forest, you know, and just making sure it's wow. healthy and all those things. Um, and of course there can be, you know, real depth that comes from that, you know, the roots going deep and, and all of that. Mm. But I think for me, there was just a bit of a shift there where I just thought, okay, um, so much of this is about faithfulness of just coming alongside people, um, of listening to the Lord, following after his leading. And, uh, but at the end of the day, Curtis, I mean, what a joy that my job is basically to follow the Lord and to help others do the, do the same. I mean, that, that's, that's my so job. Good. That's my job yeah, as a discipleship yeah. director. And, and so your job is the great commission. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Which is also so a, like no pressure, like, yeah. you know, so, um, but again, so I would, I, that's the last thing I would say on this is I think being in this ministry, um, it, it definitely leans you into dependence on the Lord. Cause you're like, God, I can't change, you know, the fabric of, of people's hearts and, and minds. Like that's primarily yeah. a work of your Holy Spirit, just renewing people. But I, I can certainly be used by you in that process. So, uh, mm. yeah, so it's it's a joy, um, but th there is a, very much a, an aspect of faithfulness to it. Yeah, I love your, your analogy with the tending the forest. And I have to ask you, because I'm a reader, have you read The Hidden Life of Trees? I haven't. No, man, you got to get your, I'm going to send you that book. That's what oh, I'm going to do. Thank I'm going to send you that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really a great book. Uh, it has, I mean, it's not a Christian author or, or right. anything like that, but it, it's just talking about how um, the lessons you can learn from trees. And, and there's a lot of stuff within the forest realm that is just like really would tie into what you're saying. And yes. um, I think that's so key because, you know, oftentimes, and, and let's just be honest, as worship leaders, 
you know, there's so many ways that you can look for a response or feel like you're 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 having success in worship or if, you know, if you get into the songwriting world, there's a whole nother aspect there of like right. what makes success. And you know, right before we hit the record button on this conversation, Will, you and I were just catching up and I love what you said about just the the idea of like I think sometimes we have the wrong measures of success. Like, right. and, and when it comes to success, true success is faithfulness. Lean into that a little bit because, I mean, you know, y- you've been in both worlds now um, on the worship leading and pastoring side of things now, uh, directing discipleship, and, and that's kind of your main focus in ministry. Um, what, how do you define success in either of those realms, and, and how are we missing it right now? Oh, that's a really good question. So I think there's uh, there's three things that I generally think that we tend to think about success and what success looks like in ministry. And I don't mm. think these are healthy, but I just want to say them. One is numerical value. You know, how many people yeah. have turned up for the event? How many listens I have on my podcast? How many listens am I getting on, uh, on our newest single on Spotify? Um, does that show engagement to a degree? Yes. Um but I don't think we should put the be all and end all in terms of, of numbers. Um, we can also define success in terms of notoriety. I think how many mm. people know us and what we do, uh, which is a, a big thing for creatives that we need to be so careful about. Like we, I think sometimes we just have a tendency to want to build our kingdom and our name and our notoriety when actually we're, we're working under a different kingdom and building the notoriety of, of somebody else. Um, and wow. then lastly, I think we can also define success in terms of our network, you know, like who we know. Uh, wow, that that's really of, good. You know what? So those three things, numerical value, uh, what was the second one? Notoriety. Notoriety. Network. And then, yeah, in terms of I'm still on that wheel. That's so good. <laughs> you know? And so, um, and yet... I was saying to you, uh, uh, you know, before we we started, and you just mentioned it there. I feel like the Holy Spirit's reminding me again and again that success in ministry, success in life, is primarily about faithfulness. You know, what I want to wow. hear when all is said and done is "Well done, good and faithful servant." That says a yeah. lot to me. We yeah. don't know a whole lot about, you know, for sure what's beyond death, but that statement for me is really huge. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, that means that what the Lord wants of me is ears that are open to him, um, a heart that's willing to serve him first and foremost. So um, success, I think, in in ministry is being faithful to his call, his his commission. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to stay close to that for sure here at at the Ridge. Um, Wow. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's not easy to do, Curtis. I feel like so often we do get drawn into those other, the other ones, especially the numerical one. And, and you just yeah. think, well, if, if people are showing up and, and yes, healthy things grow and all of that, but um, we got to be a little more tuned in to how God's reading success, I think. I love that, man. And even last night, you know, we had our team night. Um, we kind of alternate the way we do team nights. Like, so, you know, uh, every other month we'll do it where it's just the worship team. And then on the other ones, we do all creative. So it's like production, media, photography. And, and mm-hmm. those are obviously like way bigger. Um, I think, you know, 60 or 70 folks would come out for that. Last right. night it was it was maybe 20, maybe 25 of us. And, and we just met in our kids' auditorium. And man, I was just reminded of even my days as a church planter, like the numbers thing can really mess you up, Will. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I was planting a church in Nashville, Tennessee, and, you know, it, you're in a city that really does 
know the numbers game. I mean, it's Music City. You've got yeah, artists yeah. everywhere based on how many Spotify listeners you've got. And then you've got these incredible churches that are known across the world. And, you know, there's no lack of uh, butts and seats in those churches. And then, you know, here I am planting a church and I'm meeting in a venue. And, and I would say on average, you know, maybe between 60 and 80 people on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and so last night at our team night, you know, I'm looking around the room and I'm like, I'm just reminded that, you know, success isn't going uh, fast with a, a small group of people. You know, it's going the distance with a crew that like, I just remember uh, hearing Mark Batterson once say, uh, you know, I want to be famous in my home before I'm famous anywhere else. Wow, that's good. Like, I, I want the people that know me the best to respect me the most. That's good. And I think, you know, when it's like, when you're 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 talking discipleship and leading worship, you know, yes, you got to be faithful in your life, but what about the ones that are closest to you? Mm. Um, you know, it's like, Jesus, did you, did you do what you could with who you were given? Talk about that a little bit, um, you know, as both uh, your days in worship where you had a team around you mm. and, and, and you were so, I saw you in your element so many times, Will. Um, where just you could tell that the people that worked with you every day, the people that led worship with you on the weekends, they just loved you, man. Mm. And, and then now, like, you know, as somebody who's kind of more honed in on the discipleship side of things, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure you've got a team around you as well in, in small groups and, and yeah, yeah, all yeah. that. What does that look like to like help the faithfulness of others around you and help them succeed in that? Yeah. I think you really hit on something there. I think discipleship within worship um, actually begins within our teams. I think that's something that I really learned yeah. at HTC. A large part of the worship leader role is a pastoral one, no doubt. Um, you know, but not only for the church as a whole, which we often think about, but for those serving in our worship team. You know, if we're not careful, our uh, relationships with the, with our volunteers can simply become a bit of a functional or a transactional one. Uh, where, Mm. you know, they bring the gifts to the table, you facilitate them and others into a functioning musical unit. You make a plan for a service, you execute it together, and then you move on to the next event or Sunday. But that's so, that's so short of what God is calling us into as worship pastors. You know, that feels a little more to me like kind of cogs in a machine kind of thing. Whereas I think our role as worship pastors is really help people, yes, develop musically in their their craft and help them work within a team dynamic. But I think our primary responsibility is to, uh, you know, really thinking of the development of their relationship with God and others. Um, You know, that's what I wanted people to say. If, If they came into the team for five years and then wow. they, they stepped off, they moved away, and I bumped into them later, you know, years later maybe, and they would say to me, oh, well, it was such the sweetest time. You know what? I really, my relationship with God really went deep in that time. It was a real, it was a game changer time for me. Um, I loved playing on worship team. I loved being used by God and the gifts that he given me. But I want that to be as much, if not more, a part of, of what wow. that season was about, you know? Mm. So, um so yeah, I think that's that's such a big thing here is and, and I just see we see it in Jesus' ministry where he would meet with people, he would come alongside people and he just saw people. You know, he yeah, he was so yeah. present with them. I often say this, Curtis, um 
I never knew about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood um, until we came over. <laughs> yeah, it sounds random to say it, but we didn't. Ha- he didn't. He didn't cross the Atlantic. You know, we didn't have him in the UK when I was growing up. So okay. when I came over here, I saw Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I was like, "What in the world is this?" Like, and then I, I read a bit more of his story. You know, he's a Presbyterian yeah. minister, and I just thought, "Man, this is really cool." But you know, one of the really remarkable things about Fred Rogers that people always say, from super famous people to you know people who swept the floors in the studio. Um, he was always so present with people. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't matter who they were. Like he cared mm. so much for people. He saw the image of God in people. He realized that um, God loves them so much that that all just came out in interactions with people. And so wow. I, I think that too, it's easy for us, especially if we have larger ministries and things like that. And we got a lot of volunteers and, and serving in different ways, never lose sight of Jesus, you know, standing with the women at the well and talking about what's going on in her life or wow. just some of the inter- interactions. That's a, that's a, that's an example that we need to follow. It doesn't matter how big the ministries are. Um, yeah, we need to follow Jesus' ministry in that. So I think that's that's a lot of what discipleship looks like is staying personal when yeah. you could just go corporate, I guess. Wow. I love how you just put that because I think so many people, when you say like, you know, our primary call, not just as worship leaders and and, and discipleship pastors, but really our primary call, if you look at the Great Commission, right, is to mm. go and make disciples. And so that's if right. you call yourself a Christ follower, I'm sorry, but at some point, uh, your job description is disciple maker. That I mean, yes. just, just and I'm not yeah. sorry, actually, you know, I think yeah, that's yeah. one of the greatest callings that we can <laughs> right, have. Right, right. But, but I think so many people when they're like, oh man, I could never disciple somebody or I don't, mm. I don't know, you know, all of the deep theology and, and Hebrew context and Greek mm. word studies and this and that. And it's like, man, I think we overcomplicate discipleship. Right. And what you just shared, Will, is worth its weight in gold because the idea of just being present in your relationships, listening, mm. uh, walking with people in the yeah. deep moments of their life. I, I love what you said, like, you know, the success in my ministry is going to be when somebody comes to me and they look back on our time together and we're like, man, I got so close to Jesus in that time. Mm-hmm. I felt like my relationship with God moved to another level. Mm-hmm. What, what are some practical ways other than, you know, obviously just being present and, and uh, not being so, you know, high end focused, but really being in, in the trenches with, with mm-hmm. people in the, in the day to day to life. What, what are some practical ways that you've seen that work out really well for you, man? Yes. I mean, I think you, you got to be intentional with time. Uh, one of the most, one of the most uh, valuable things we ever did as a team at HCC was the monthly worship and production gatherings, uh, where we would just meet at somebody's house. We would grab dinner together. Maybe there was some worship, maybe somebody would share something, but you got to make time outside of rehearsal and Sunday spaces. They, they are generally not the most conducive to building, like a lot of relationship or a depth of relationship. They are actually very, um, you know, especially rehearsal space, it's very a functional, a functional space. And generally Mm -hmm. you want to be very careful with people's time there. Cause if, you know, they worked a whole day and then they're stepping into that space. So, 
Um, I would say actually, even in within the rehearsal space, though, be mindful of that. You're always going to get a few conversations as you're setting up some gear or, or the person who lingers after they're just packing away their stuff and yeah. you're able to come alongside them. And how did that job interview go, um, last week or how's your aunt doing? Cause I know she really wasn't doing very well a couple of weeks ago. And it's, wow. it's those kind of things of coming That's alongside really people and just, being in people's lives, you know, um, so that that's that's a really big thing as well. Um, making time for prayer together is, is really great. Um, I wow, uh, yeah. I had there was a, a worship leader here, somebody who mentored me a number of years ago, and uh, he would always just ask, you know, before you you jump into rehearsal, is there anything we need to be praying about, or has anybody got anything that's going on? And there was a relative. There was a dynamic in that team where people felt like they could share, you know, and I appreciate that if you're coming in just fresh, that might be a bit intimidating. But in that space, um, people were then like, yeah, could we, could we just pray for this? And you would just, you would just go to the Lord together. And yeah. so it's thinking of things, you know, what's going to, what's going to deepen the connection of the team relationally. And a lot of times that's sitting around a table, eating dinner together or, you know, going to a conference mm. together, this kind of things, but developing yeah. the, the, the deep roots spiritually, you know, uh, of praying together, leading together, uh, all those kind of things. And so, yeah, I think those things have been, been quite helpful for me. Uh, wow. and yeah, when leading teams, I love that. So pray, Find those moments to pray with your team. And, and I, I don't want to underestimate the beauty and value of prayer. I mean, right, right. I, I, even, even last night at our team night, we just closed out. I, Will, we must have spent 30 minutes just praying for one another. Mm. Uh, our, our prayer pastor actually came and, and joined us and just laid hands on and anointed our team. And Love I mean, that. man, I just, I just left that space last night. Like what mm. in the world just happened? Yeah. And we were just waiting on the presence of God. We were praying for one another. Mm. And that's such a great discipleship, um, not tool, but just resource is, is prayer. Yes, yes. And, and, then, and then finding those moments, even in the small spaces of rehearsal, don't rush out, but like look for those intentional moments. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, Can I just say, Curtis, on, on prayer, I feel like sometimes prayer feels like a bit of, a bit of an accessory to the Christian life. You know, wow, it just feels good. like something that is just a bit of an add-on or maybe just something that we should kind of do, you know? But for mm. me, prayer is, I mean, you don't get into a boat like a, a you know, boat with a motor and just think that the propeller is an accessory or the motor is an accessory. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like, so you're, you're going to feel that, like, if you feel that way, <laughs> um, it's it's essential, you know? And there's so much... There's so much that happens in that place of, of prayer and just quiet before the Lord. Uh, we remember again, like who he is and what he's promised. Um, we wow. remember again who we are in him. Um, and even as we remember who he is, we come back into that place of humility again and, and just mm. wanting to hear from him. So there is a place of asking, but it's also a place of reminding, I think, for us as, as leaders, because man, you can get busy and you can just start forgetting stuff and it's, yeah, it's not always wow. healthy. That's so good. I just literally wrote that down. Prayer is not an accessory to the Christian life. <laughs> right. I feel like I'm walking away with so many one-liners, man. Uh, well, dude, I have to ask this cause, cause I had texted you about, I, I'd love to just hear like one fun memory. Um, 
Ren Collective, you're part of that group. We we hit on it earlier, just kind of the origins of how you got involved in that. It's kind of crazy because I was actually, I didn't tell you this, but uh, I was in uh, Korea about six weeks yes, ago. Yes, man, and, I saw and one that. Of the, one of the songs on their uh, set list was Build Your Kingdom Here, which you had a part oh, of writing wowzers, yeah. uh, on that song. And mm-hmm. uh, that song was so huge. Uh, dude, share like one fun memory or like experience that you had with those guys because they just seem like the funnest group of people ever. Yes. Man, there was <laughs> there was so many, uh, so many within that three year period. Um, yeah, just some crazy moments as well. Like I feel like, like yeah. <laughs> Curtis, you'll 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 feel really yeah you'll uh, resonate with this. I remember doing like a TV. It was a TV thing that was going live on TV, and it was at a festival. And you know uh-huh. what festivals are like? It's like super high changeover. Like there's you've hardly uh-huh. any time. So pretty much all I have in my ear is just click. So click and track. Like that's that's mm. all I can really hear of myself. And then I'm going out on stage, and suddenly like the input on my guitar, like where you put in your your quarter inch, falls uh-huh. inside the guitar. Like no, yeah, literally as I'm walking out on. <laughs> stage this whole like moment of like panic and by the lord's grace literally i think i got it fixed you know within the first strum of the chords i just remember oh, that one always man. sticks out to me in terms of because people always think like oh like super you know fun and like uh, man mm-hmm. there's some chaotic moments as well but i will say this curtis um i think one of the things that really the lord formed in me over those three years um, and doing, you know, a lot of traveling and you're, you know, you're playing a lot of the same songs again and again, um, but just being with different people. There was this real emphasis on uh, what God wanted to do uniquely in that space in that evening, because it could be easy. You know, you got your sad and you go in and we're playing cool. a different venue. But but actually yep. for me, what made the sacrifices worth it um, and and just and just being there was knowing like, God, you got a purpose tonight. We just want to be part of that. So we're just giving ourselves to you. Would you use us in this wow. way? In whatever way, if there's something we, have, we haven't got planned and you want us to be able to say or, or sing, God, we're yours. So would you just draw people to yourself? And so I think that those three years in particular, uh, mm. yeah, really grafted that into me. And man, that makes it just exciting and awesome. You're just like, I get to be- wow used by God in this way and we get to glorify him in this way. But, and then also just uh, unique conversations that you get into. I mean, you get to meet so many different people and yeah, uh, yeah again, just be sensitive to what the Lord might want you to, to do and say and pray. So it was, yeah, it was a sweet time and those relationships still continue today. You know, we were wow. the best of friends beforehand and, and we are still today. So I try and catch them anytime they're, they're coming close, you know? That's really cool. And you don't always hear that when bandmates spend so much time together in mm-hmm. small spaces, you're traveling you're right. in dingy hotel rooms. I just yep. remember I, I, I toured with the band uh, for four years and, and uh, we never really hit, uh, you know, the place where we were outside of those peanut butter and jelly dinners. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we were, we were always crashing couches and, and on a van. Uh, you know, tour and, and we're still friends to this day. In fact, one of the guys um, I just was talking to a couple of weeks ago and he's a pastor in Tennessee. And mm. um, I, I think that's just a real testament, even to your, uh, I mean, with, with all that you've talked about today through worship and discipleship and just building relationships, that's the testament to your heart, man, is that mm. I, I feel like um, when you leave a wake of goodness and 
whatever season you find yourself stepping into, you always, I, I've just found, and you've, you've seen this probably in your life too, where you step into different avenues mm. that the grace that you leave one season with is often the grace that God allows you to step into your next season with. That's right. And, and That's right. you just always want to leave a good taste wherever you've been. For sure. And, and you do that, man. You just, mm, you walk with thanks, a grace Curtis. and an and a air of humility and it just inspires me, man. I, I got one more question for you yes. in the time uh, yes. remaining. Yes. Um, and this is something fun that I've been asking people since we started this podcast, but man, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Um, mm. What's what's the Lord just really uh, got dialed in on 11 in, in your mm. heart, man? Well, I... I feel like we've we've talked about some uh, of of that. I feel like the spirit reminding me of of faithfulness, of defining mm. success within ministry, um, because especially Curtis, I think when you when you jump into something that's new, and you're feeling you know maybe a little intimidated, and you want it to go well, but you maybe never done it before, you can really start to yeah. reach out to those gauges of success. You know, am I doing? Mm. Am I successful in this? And am I doing a good job? Um, so we got to be careful in that, but we've, we've talked a little bit about that. I want to just say on a personal level, uh, for us as a family, I feel like the Lord has, has drawn us into a couple of things recently. One was just a passage in Isaiah 40, which talks about, um, really just a reminder of like God saying, who will you compare me to? I mean, I wow. am the Lord God, and I I am aware of what's going on in your life. That's like a paraphrase, but he's saying to Israel, like, do you think I've forgotten, you know, about you? Wow. Um, and then then the the familiar passage of you know those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's all within the space of six or seven verses, and I just wow. felt the Lord just saying, put this on your fridge. This is one to come back to this mm. fall because it's the first time you know, I have three kids. All three of them are in different schools. My eldest is now in middle school. Um, my wife is going back to work part time as well. And so wow. it's it's just been a chaotic season of schedules yep. <laughs> and getting everyone adjusted and, and a lot of new things. And so that leads me to the second thing. I feel like the Holy Spirit is just leading us into the day at a time mentality. Um, it's funny when I think of Jesus saying, don't worry about tomorrow, like tomorrow, uh, today has enough, you know, trouble, um, yeah. of its own. I've always just thought, well, that's a bit strange. Jesus, like, uh, you know, I'm a planner. So I like to, <laughs> I like to be, six I gotta months worry ahead. about it. I gotta worry. You know, it's my responsibility. <laughs> and yet I feel like, um, part of the coming into like a day at a time is really a thing of focus in terms of prayer life. Like, what are you praying for? Sometimes that can mm. get overwhelming. Um, yeah. But coming in and just saying, okay, Lord, I'm, the kids are heading into school. I'm just praying specifically for, for them today in terms of what their day looks like and for my family. Um, but then also, Curtis, I think there's some things we don't need to take the big picture in like today, for example, our kids' lives. I mean, you're a dad of two kids as well. And I think sometimes you can just start to think about their lives broadly, you know, and you're just yeah, like, oh my yeah. gosh, like our responsibility as parents and all of mm -hmm. that. I just feel like the Lord just saying, let's be present today. Um, wow. Let's be praying for, for today with your kids. And so I feel, you know, as you asked me that question, which is always a great question to ask, I feel like it's actually quite family focused for me currently. And, uh, and just Man. depending on the Lord, we need his wisdom as parents every day. We need the work of his Holy spirit in us. Cause we're not always the most patient as we should be and like right, all of those right. kind of things. So, um, yeah, just really leaning on the Lord in that and 
so grateful for his leadership and his, his speaking. Man, I, I feel like, uh, I don't really know where to go from there. I mean, you just, you just like read my email because my daughter, she's going into middle school this year and, uh, you know, that's a whole world of challenges yeah, right there huge, in 2023. And you're right. I mean, you can get overwhelmed because it's like, man, is she going to turn out to be a good human? Like, are, are right? we raising right. a Christ following uh, girl? And, and, and you know, I think you can just think of all these massive uh, problems that uh, they could encounter at any yeah. given moment. You think about the culture and you think about, you know, all the messages that the world is throwing at them yeah. and you just get overwhelmed and you're like, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and he's like, I'm with you. You, you got mm. this. And yes. Yes. I'm with you today, you know? And yes, I, I love that, man. You've inspired me in this conversation. And uh, dude, how can people uh, just kind of keep up with what you're doing? Any, yes. any uh, yes. anything you want to share with us, man? Like, yeah, I, I just for feel sure. like, uh, I feel like the Will Heron well is so deep, man. So tell us, uh, tell us how we can just kind of keep up with what you're up to these days. Yes. Man. Yeah. Thanks, Curtis. So we have uh, the Ridge University podcast is our podcast here. Uh, just search Ridge University wherever you get your podcasts. And we got a ton of series on there um, ep- and episodes just geared toward really helping you follow after Jesus in your daily life. That's what we're, we're about in terms of discipling and encouraging people in that. So yeah, be sure to check that out. It's the Ridge University podcast. Amazing. We're going to put a link in our show notes to that. Uh, Will, I feel like you're one of those guys where uh, if I'm within six hours drive of, of <laughs> wherever you're at in Iowa, I'm going to try to figure out a coffee spot that we can meet at. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah. Love getting some time with you today. Thanks for spending some time on the Worshipology yeah, thank podcast. Thank you, Curtis. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.